Well, hello, uh, Beth Ann Schaefer. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I want to welcome you uh, to the Living Undeterred podcast. Uh, I am Jeff Johnston, and I'm very excited for our guest today and welcome all those that are watching or listening today. Um, this is a journey I started a little while ago, and I think this is my fifth podcast. And I am super excited. I came across Beth Ann on LinkedIn and I saw what she was uh, talking about. And I said, there has to be a story behind what she's doing right now. And I reached out to her and we talked and I said, okay, let's, uh, let's just talk about uh, what you're doing and kind of how it started and um, we'll navigate as we go. But you are the president, founder, visionary, CEO, bill payer, marketer, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the big cheese there with Nope Beverages. And full disclosure for me, Beth Ann, I had never had an alt cocktail prior to meeting you. Uh, my experience with non-alcoholics was simply non-alcoholic beer. That's all mm -hmm. I ever drank. And your um, uh, item came up and I thought, interesting, clicked on it. So what I think I would like to do first is hear a little bit about you, and then we'll talk about uh, what an alternative cocktail is, and then we'll just uh, we'll just talk and see where see where this goes. But if you want to hold on a second, I gotta I gotta get a beverage here, so um, <laughs> just just hold on a second. Uh oh. Wow, this is um this is awesome. This is the jalapeno. Mango margarita with jalapeno. That was a shameless plug for no beverages, Yay. by the way. So <laughs> we'll take a plug. <laughs> very, very tasty. Uh, even at uh, one o'clock in the afternoon, it's tasty. Um, so anyway, tell me a little bit about Beth Ann and why I had you on my show. I guess. Okay. How far back do you want me to go? As far back as you want to go. We have uh, we have an hour, so fire away. Uh, okay. You stop me if it's getting too long, but I. Um, I'm originally from a small steel town in Pennsylvania, uh, Sharon, Pennsylvania. And my family, they were all steel workers, very hardworking, blue-collar family. I went to college at Edinburgh University with a um, teaching degree, a dual major in special education and regular education, which is what brought me to Maryland. I became a teacher, moved down here in 1998 and then became an assistant principal, which I loved. I loved being in a school. I loved working with children, especially with children with special needs. Um, got married to Bart uh, and then um, had children. I had five children. <laughs> so um, we had five children. My twins, who are now 13, my oldest, were diagnosed with autism. Mm. So for me, it didn't really make sense for me to go back to work right. um, because I was a special ed teacher and I really wanted to be in charge of um, their education and their rehabilitation. So that, you know, long story short, 10 years of uh, therapies and having babies. And then, uh, you know, Bart was the one going to work and providing us with a lovely home and the money to afford all of these uh, rehabilitations. And you know, I used to say that I woke up one morning and got out of this baby haze and looked at my husband and realized that he was a raging alcoholic mm -hmm. who also had an addiction to um, cocaine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it wasn't 
that I woke up and noticed it, it was, you know, things that in my life, those 10 years that Bart was exhibiting that you just get used to and they become part of your, part of your everyday and they become part of your norm. And then that's when I woke up and, and said, this is not normal. Um, so, you know, it, we went to counseling, we went to couples therapy, we went to families therapy, but nothing really was, um, helping us heal as a family because the bigger thing that we needed to change was we needed to help Bart um, get into recovery. So we had a family intervention and on July 7th, Bart went into rehab in 2017 and he is now three and a half years sober. Wow. That's awesome, Bethann. Um, And I, it is. We're five minutes into this and you've already bared your soul. And I, I'll be honest (laughs) with you. That was my, initial attraction to your story was the fact that you're comfortable as I am people that know me and follow my story. I talk about, uh, what I went through at length. And I think your vulnerability to me, uh, adds a lot of, um, uh, credibility, I guess, to what you're doing. You know, you're, you, the reason why you're creating non-alcoholic drinks isn't just to make money. Ultimately, I have a strong feeling that will happen for you. But right now you're driven by another purpose. And sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes the best ideas come from that type of a, of a genesis or that type of an inspiration. So I had a chance to talk to Bart with you in the past and yeah. I'm just, I'm floored of how honest and authentic you are. And people watching this are thinking, wow, this is, this is amazing. I can't wait to hear about all the beverages you have. But I think, I think the fact that you're able to talk about this, did it take you guys a long time to open up and publicly be able to have these conversations? Yes, um, in, in several ways. The first way was that, uh, you know, what goes on to me in a marriage is very private. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people have disagreements, you have your highs and your lows, and I was always raised that you deal with that in your home. What I needed to grasp was that when it comes to addiction and you can't do it on your own and there is no shame in it. And I needed help. I needed the support of his family and, uh, and my family to, to get out of this uh, dark hole that we were in. Uh, Now for Bart, what was hard for him was pre rehab was that he didn't have a problem he was in denial right he really never reached that surrender stage where he was kind of throwing in the towel and saying oh my god please help me like i can't drink at 9 a.m i can't drink with my kids in the car Um, he did get to that point eventually but um I, i think i'm answering your question but yeah oh this was the thing with bart the first year was very sensitive um in his recovery where we didn't talk about it at all. He didn't want anyone in the community to know. Um, mm-hmm. It was almost like he was embarrassed and ashamed of it. Now, three and a half years in, he is helping others who are struggling. And, um, you know, he's very vocal and proud of what he has done. And I'm hoping that we can get him here <laughs> to talk about it with you, because I think he has a really great story to tell. He does. And, um, you know, hearing your stories are, are inspiration for me. People ask me, where do I get my inspiration? It's 
this living undeterred mindset that I've kind of stumbled into. Um, I didn't really ask to do this. It just kind of happened. I'm just meeting yeah. people. I'm meeting people every day as you are. And so is Bart that you just say, wow, you know, I, I'm not in a, in a canoe by myself out in the middle of the ocean. I'm in this huge boat with literally mm -hmm. millions and millions of human beings, not just in the United States that are struggling with substance abuse, alcohol abuse, addiction, mental health, you know, um, uh, ADD, bipolar, schizophrenia, all these things that are out there. You know, how do we, how do we progress and get and, and, and improve the well-being of our lives? And that, that's, that's what motivates me. And that's where I came up with this living undeterred mindset. And I just keep, um, I'm, I'm amazed of the people I'm meeting. And so going back to your story a little bit, um, I know you and I have talked quite a bit about kind of how this alt cocktail idea popped in your head. We, we know now that the reason why, but tell me about in your kitchen when you guys are talking about, Hey, what do you want to have a drink for the Super Bowl? And you're like, I don't know. It's like you, you started, you told me one time you were making all these cocktails and said, wait a minute, there's gotta be an easier way to make a beverage for my husband that is non-alcoholic, but it gives him the feeling socially that he's having a, an alcoholic beverage. So how that started was the first year of sobriety, Bart was never, never had a sweet tooth because he always had the um, urge to drink instead. So um, he constantly wanted to suck on or chew on candy. And we had closets full of uh, flavored seltzer waters. Mm -hmm. But you know, we still had to participate in family birthdays, family holidays, going to cocktail parties and special events. And when you go to those, I think everybody knows when you go and you're not drinking, you are offered a club soda with a splash of cranberry right. and a lime. Right. And, you know, I know that firsthand because I was pregnant and I have five children and that was my only option. So I, that frustrated me to no end that people are trying to make a healthy choice. And it was almost like a slap in the face, like, this is all I get. So I started to uh, support, try to support Bart by making these homemade drinks. And it required fruit and herbs and seltzers. Um, and I was happy to do it, but it was a lot of work with prep time and uh, soaking and, and muddling and straining. And I'm somebody who loves to be in the kitchen and I love doing those things, but I also have five kids. I also have to right. put a good meal on the table. And I just, I couldn't understand why there wasn't something that was easier. Right. So one Christmas when Bart was over, um, I, that was really important for me that night to have, for him to have something celebratory because it was his first Christmas sober. Right. Um, and to be perfectly honest, you know, when you are married to an alcoholic, it's not rosy. And there were, um, there was a lot of anger on both ends. And for me, that was my way of supporting Bart was to, um, I'm more of an action versus a word kind of gal. Right. So my action was providing him these drinks. And when we were cleaning up after Christmas Eve, I said, this is a pain in the ass. You know, this is so much work. It was more work than the meal because you have 25 people in your house and you're constantly making these. I think I'm going to can them. Right. And then, uh, you know, most of the time, Bart, I would get an idea because I was very anxious to go back to work. 
and kind of roll his eyes. But this one, he's like, there's something to this. There is nothing else out there except for the NA beers. So um, in 2019 is when uh, I started our LLC and then kind of just took off running had to stop for a water break because of COVID and then um, changed yeah. our direction. But that's how we got, that's how we became an alt tail. What's interesting to me, and maybe you can talk a little bit about, but a lot of people have these ideas. They're in their kitchen. They say, wow, I got this idea, but they don't go to the next level. Were you, were you hesitant? Were you nervous? Were you scared? Or you're like, you know what? I'm just going to start knocking down walls and this thing's going to be great. I mean, as an entrepreneur, which I, I envy and, or I am one, but I, I appreciate that. Um, did you have a lot of hesitation to start this thing? Yes and no. I mean, I'm a doer. I, I always say, um, less talk, more action. That has just always been the way that I am. Uh, so I was so highly motivated. I knew, I was very aware of what I knew and what I didn't know. I was a teacher. I don't have a finance background. Mm -hmm. So I uh, put together an advisory board that could kind of guide me into making the right decisions. Um, and I think with all entrepreneurs, there's days where you're just like, yes, this is it, that we're going for it. And then there's other days where you wake up and think, shit, why did I ever think this was a good idea? <laughs> so that, that, never, that, never goes, that never goes away, by the way. <laughs> right. And then that's fleeting, that goes away. And then you look back at your product and your mission and you're like, no, I'm doing the right thing. You're just going right. to have those days. So I did have those days. Um, and But luckily, through Bard's process um, of becoming sober, you learn that you have to surround yourself by good people, good friends that support you, whether it was him um, in supporting his sobriety or me uh, supporting my uh, dream to have alt cocktails. And, you know, I had some people look at me thinking, oh, she's a stay-at-home mom who just wants a hobby, and, and that's not right. what this is at all. So, right. yeah, I did have those scary moments. I still do. We're, we're online. We are really kicking butt in sales, and I still, you know, you constantly want to improve. So I do have those moments where I'm thinking, what the hell did I get myself into? But I love it. Yeah, I think the I you know just as again as an NA beer drinker, I've watched the Oduls explode now to all these tremendous options, IPAs, wheats, all these things. And again, I think you're kind of at the cutting edge of the alt cocktail uh, market, where again, there's not a lot of options out there. I'm sure you're going to have people will jump in and start trying to copy what you're doing, but yeah. that's okay. That's capitalism at its best. Um, mm -hmm. But. Um, when you talk about the brand, the product that you have, I have a couple here. This is the strawberry basil. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I have the one I'm drinking now, the mango margarita with jalapeno. Now, when I first got this in, we did a little taste test down in my basement with some of my, my, um, my son's college friends. So these are, these are college, uh, people. Um, and that may be a market niche that you're kind of go after. Maybe you potentially are going after, but they were very hesitant of the jalapeno initially just because they thought it was going to be super spicy and hot. It's it's 1.30 right now almost in, in Iowa, and I'm drinking the jalapeno, and I don't think it's it's overly spicy or hot. Um, and you, my personal favorite is the rosemary vanilla lemonade. That's, that's, that's the one I had at the Super Bowl, or watching the Super Bowl. 
So you you have four, right? Four. Um, I do. Okay. Do you mind giving a quick little uh, thirty seconds or a minute on each one, kind of what the idea was behind it, and um, you know, do you plan on expanding to having more options? Absolutely. I actually have eight flavors. Oh. Um, yeah, we did a lot of research and development. We were in many local bars and restaurants in the Annapolis, D.C., Baltimore area. Uh, when I was a teacher, that just wasn't that doesn't pay the bills. So I waitressed and bartended a lot for many, many years in those in this area. So they would allow us to come in, even though we were non-elk drinks, and uh, people would do samplings. We'd get their feedback on taste, and uh, the mango margarita was one. We also did survey monkeys that people just thought, oh, we are, we're not interested in that. And that is now our, our biggest seller. Um, but how we came to those, the strawberry basil smash and the raspberry lime ginger beer were the first two that I started making at home, uh, just because the, the ingredients were very accessible. And um, I don't know, we just kind of leaned toward that. And then um, I just started slowly, just for a variety, started making them at home. And the way I chose the first four were, uh, you know, we had some very, not that all of them are not strong flavors, but there were some that were more preferred than others. So we made sure to put some strong ones in with our first release. And we have some really strong ones that are coming out hopefully this summer. And, and it looks like there's not a lot of calories. Um, you know, one, one full can is um, very doable. No fat, no sodium. Carbs are, are good. Uh, so, I mean, it looks like the ingredients are, are pretty, uh, pretty, pretty healthy, you know, and um, I like your presentation of the can. Uh, I think that's very eye-catching. Whoever was in charge of your marketing there did a good job. Um, and so is right now I know social media and online is probably where, where most of your emphasis is. I know in the alcohol industry, as of March of last year, alcohol sales online were up 400%. Now, mm -hmm. that says that's great for those people selling it. It also says there's a lot of people out there stuck at home, that want to buy their alcohol through through online. So do you see yourself, I know ultimately you'd love to be in the shelf space uh, having a lot of that, yeah. but do you think for the time being, this will be your, your biggest emphasis is the online pres um, presentation or, or sales uh, approach? For now, yes. Um, you know, it, we could easily be in local bars and restaurants, but in Maryland where we are, people are having to cap how many patrons they have in their restaurants and bars. And it, to me, it just felt like kicking some of those mom and shop, mom and pop shops while they were down, mm -hmm. you know, they're trying to keep alive. And then for me to say, Hey, I, I'm a startup and I really want you to keep a case or two. Um, so uh, we are e-commerce. We are we'll always do. Right. Distribution in bars and restaurants is something that we're also pursuing, but where we really see ourselves being successful is in grocery. Um, so, you know, those that we are also having a lot of talks about that. Uh, that was something that we were planning to do last spring, but of course, people were only looking for toilet paper back then. <laughs> so, not, you know, and because the non alcoholic segment is so new outside of the beer, um, there's a lot of product education that needs to go with it. So we're best placed 
on a grocery shelf where you might stop and pick up the can and look at it and and really investigate it. Some people pick it up because of the branding or the right. combination of flavor. So that's actually, we do want to see ourselves there. That is our end game. So a question I have for you that I, I know you and I have talked a few times. I've never asked you this question. Um, when I gave up the, or I made the choice to not drink alcohol uh, three, a little over three years ago, um, I, I, uh, talked to some people that were going through Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 step process, which I never did. And personally, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I didn't need that just for me. I didn't need that. I found enough internal things with what happened in my life that I, that was enough motivation for me. Do you get pushback from people in that, in those 12 step systems, the, the alcoholic anonymous uh, world that say, no, I, this is too close to alcohol you're just going to, it's a, it's a little bridge to somebody getting back to drinking. Cause I had some people initially that said, Jeff, you either drink or you just don't even tempt yourself. And I, I enjoy non-alcoholic beverages. I really, really like them. And I don't feel like for me, I'm going to all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to go crack open a beer now. It's like, do you ever get any pushback from people that this, this will get alcoholics to start drinking again? No, I don't get that. I have heard many people say non-alcoholic beer is for non-alcoholics because it's a substitute for beer. It right. tastes, it's meant to taste just like beer. Mm -hmm. I have not heard that with us because we are so different than what's out there. And we have eight flavors and I think three of them do like the margarita. It tastes like a margarita. We have a mojito coming out that tastes like a mojito. But one of the things that was important to us was that we didn't want to advertise ourselves as being a mocktail. Mock is pretending to be a cocktail. We wanted people to have an alternative to a cocktail. So that's why we made sure to put together complex flavors that you might never see in a cocktail, like your favorite, the rosemary uh, vanilla lemonade. Oh, yeah. I see those something similar like rosemary lavender on brunch menus all the time that are not meant to have alcohol in them. So that was important for us to make sure that we had several options of flavors that you would never see in a cocktail, but because of the herb, uh, that it, it gave you some different, I guess, uh, taste flavor profiles. So I don't, I don't worry with about that with us. Now you all. mentioned something that I actually wanted to ask you quickly because um, being a novice in this industry, for the layperson out there, what is the difference between a mocktail and an alt tail? I think they're very similar. Um, what I notice with mocktail branding is that they are creating a non-alcoholic non version of something that's already out there. Um, like we, we have a margarita a non-alcoholic margarita. I see a lot of daiquiris, non-alcoholic daiquiris in the mocktail space. I see Cosmopolitans, the non-alcoholic version. So for me, a mocktail that that I've seen is something that has already been put on a menu in an octail, in an alcoholic version that they have now made in a non-alcoholic version. Um, so, you know, we, we tried to make it, again, something that you might not have ever seen on a menu in an alcoholic space. I think the other thing is 
just because I really think that this category needs to evolve. Mm -hmm. Mocktails are great, but like I said, mocktails are pretending. And right. I think uh, I think it just deserves its own category. I think when people go to the grocery store, when you're planning a party and you have your list of club soda, liquor, beer, milk, juice, alt-tails need to be on that, be a separate category mm -hmm. as well, or juice boxes or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I, I, I wanted to ask you this because I inevitably always run across it when I, when I was looking into interviewing you, I looked at, uh, typed in alt-tails and all this stuff and this, this, uh, CBD infused type, uh, world. And, and I, I, I personally, I have my own thoughts on this and, um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'm going to shelve those for the moment and just talk about, I, I was in Colorado last weekend and, you know, cannabis. They're milk, everywhere. It is. And I, th I think people can either just put their head in the sand and say, or you can say, well, I'm going to be open-minded, understand this stuff, learn about it. But I just think now you see these things being infused in so many things. Do you, do you see that as a potential opportunity for you guys to look at? Or do you, have you kind of drawn the line in the sand and said, well, that for now, that's not something I'm interested in? It's not something that I'm, I'm personally interested in um, incorporating with Nope. I think that is a market that is seeing a lot of action. There's a lot of competitors. Right. A lot of people are in that CBD space. And I personally, I have friends that are CBD beverage company owners. I have my favorites. I, you know, drink them once in a while. I am not against CBD. I just think for us personally, one of our goals was to be all inclusive. We want the moms to be able to drink it. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I didn't even point. think. Yeah, I want moms yep. to drink it. And then there I have friends that are in the military that they can't drink oh. CBD either. Yeah. So that is eliminating yep. so many groups and they need an option. Right. So so that's I don't know I don't see us incorporating that ever into our drinks, but that being said, there are a lot of CBD drinks that I, that I do enjoy. That's interesting you said that cuz I hesitated in asking you that question. But the answer was 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 very good, and it's uh, got me thinking as well about uh, having a, a niche, you know, a specific niche. It's like there's always room for a specialty. Um, you know, I, I'm in the investment wealth management business. That's what I actually do for a living when I'm not doing this. And we talked about spe specialization in our industry. You know, do you just throw out a big net for everybody, or do you just put all your emphasis on a few things when it comes to marketing and target marketing and branding, those type of things? So, yeah. You know, you yeah, you can't do everything. You ha really have to pick what you're specializing in and, and go all in. Um, so that's where we are. I do see the benefits to why people choose CBD. Um, one of the things I read an article recently that I thought was very interesting was that the CBD movement is also also helping um could help the opioid crisis if people are in pain and they're taking pain, pain medications and they become addicted cbd could be an option for um, some pain relief so having a history of family members with opioid addiction that is something that i, I really like to follow up on but just not something that we'll include in our drinks and we were so careful to kind of switch gears to make sure that everybody could drink it that one point our formulations actually had actual bitters in every ingredient because we wanted that bite 
but bitters has like 0.002% alcohol. Right. And I reached out to a lot of um, uh, sober uh, influencers who said, yeah, I, I would not touch bitters for the first two to five years of my sobriety. So we reformulated mm. everything because we didn't want to exclude the newly sober because they are the ones who need those drinks the most. They need the alternative. So interesting you say that because here in Iowa, when I buy, say, an O'Doul's or a Heineken Zero, I get ID'd. They ID me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no problem with that. I mean, it doesn't bother me. But I always think it's interesting because I look on the back of some of these and it's .0025, you know. Yes. And and you are actually 0%, right? Zero. Yep. Yeah. So this begs this dumb question out of me, but so... You don't have any restrictions with people buying this uh, online from a difference, you know, have any age restrictions? I mean, any anybody any age can buy this? No, my kids drink it for special occasions. There's nothing I at all that, that could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's. Yeah. Anybody can buy it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm just um, I'm very happy that I, I entertain this uh, conversation because my friends back here now are following you on, on social media uh, they made some posts the other day, and they were so excited. They had the note cans all around their, uh, all their cheese and cracker tray they made. And oh, uh, we used those pictures too. <laughs> they were have, great. I was jealous that I wanted they, to be there. <laughs> and they were so excited. And um, you know, I guess uh, I guess it's somehow we can make the romance with this a little more uh, um, healthier, as opposed mm-hmm. to watching a Super Bowl ad and showing all these alcohol commercials and people don't see the darkness behind that. They don't see all the, the problems that come with that. And, you know, here you can have these beverages and, and not have the collateral damage with relationships and poor health and you don't wake up hungover. Um, you know, there's some very rewarding aspects of this industry that you're in that I think people that are looking at options should, um, should definitely try. And I think there was... I don't want to say who because I can't remember. There was a non-alcoholic beer commercial during the Super Bowl this year. I think there was. I, I, I need to go back and look. I think you're right because I was talking to a friend about this exploding business in the NA space. And then we saw, I think it could have been Heineken. Um, it was one of the, obviously, Super Bowls. So it was, a, it was a big player. Um Right. But uh, so where do you see, where do you see you in, say... I want to say five years, but that nowadays seems so long. <laughs> I mean, where do you right. see you? Where, where do you see you in uh, in three years? Um, for Nope, I would love to see us in Whole Foods and Kroger and Target. Um, you know, I would love to see us have a lot of competition because I just, you know, it's nice to be one of the first in this space, but we're also um we're also very mission driven and want to support those making healthier decisions so i really embrace every time i see another competitor or somebody else who's who's making something um similar so yeah i just i would like us to be uh dominating the world of beverage (laughs) with a non-alcoholic category that's awesome. But I do. I think I would really like us to be in some of those big box stores and just have us have people grab us as their staple when they're planning a party. We need the seltzers. We need, you know, we're not excluding beer and wine as, you know, party options. 
Um, but just to, 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 to make sure that people are giving their, uh, their friends and family those other options as well. And really that's so very mainstream. To me, it comes down to choices and that's the name of my nonprofit is called the Choices Network. And I didn't want to make it an anti-alcohol, sober living type uh, organization because I'm not anti-alcohol at all. I just, yeah. I, I choose not to drink and what other people choose to do as long as it doesn't interfere with me, like getting behind the wheel or, you know, breaking into my house or something, as long as uh, what they do doesn't interfere with me, then that's their choice. Um, but the moment that crosses over and, and drags me in, then, then I have to get involved. And for those people watching this that are new to my story, um, uh, real briefly, in my life, I had a personal event happen. Uh, October 4, 2016, our oldest son, Seth, was found in a hotel room, uh, overdosed from heroin laced with fentanyl. And on that moment, my life pivoted. It, it took a change. Uh, it went downhill immediately for about a year. Considered options of possibly joining Seth. Um, fortunately, I didn't. But I was battling alcohol addiction myself, trying to run a business, keep a marriage together, raise children. So I, I get pulled in the direction of people that have similar stories. And mm -hmm. one of the beauties with social media, as much as I hate it, is I'm meeting people that have similar stories. And so I, I think of, you know, for me, uh, Beth Ann, all these options, nope, all the other options that people have kind of coping mechanisms to deal with some of their addictions. Uh, I don't think we can have too many. I, I don't think no. it's possible to give an alcoholic. And this is where if I'm watching you have a conversation with someone on social media and they're finding things to maybe nitpick and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I, there's plenty of room at the table for all of us to eat, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's kind of the approach I take. So I will occasionally get in some healthy conversations when people start debating me on, you know, is, is addiction a disease? Is addiction a choice? You know, I'm like, well, I guess doesn't really, does it matter if you pick one of them to believe in and you stop drinking? Does, right. does it matter? If I'm an alcoholic right. and I have alcohol parents, alcoholic grandparents, and I'm, I'm predisposed to be an alcoholic, it doesn't mean I'm predetermined to be an alcoholic. I, I may have the, G, the DNA, but I don't have to have 20 beers, you know? Right. I had a good friend of mine, Daniel Allison. He goes on by the average dude on LinkedIn. And he was a, he was a guest on my podcast a few episodes ago. And he brought a really neat uh, idea to the table about an alcoholic that's struggling with their addiction. It's, it's a set of many choices, you know? You're at your house, you think about having a beer or a, a, a beverage, and you choose at that moment to get up out of the couch. Well, then you also choose to walk to the refrigerator. You also choose to open the door. You also choose to grab the beer out. So it's not just going from zero to waking up the next morning blacking out. It's a series of just small choices. And that's that to me really resonated with me for people like your husband, Bart, and, and family members that I have that are struggling with this, is don't look at this as going from zero you know, all the way up to here and, and being, um, you know, being solved, solving the problem of addiction. It's a series of choices. So this is a choice. This is one of the mm -hmm. little steps along the way. It's not going to make an alcoholic stop drinking, but it's just one little tiny choice you can make in that given day. Instead of grabbing a, you know, a wine, I call them wine coolers because that was what I grew up with. But 
instead of grabbing uh, an alcoholic beverage, grab a nope. And that's mm -hmm. one little battle. That's one battle that you won at that one moment, you know? Right. Yeah, I struggled with that, um, with the choice versus addiction for a long time with Bart because I would ask him, why did you choose to go into the bar? Why did you choose to stop at the liquor store on the way home from work? But I think because of the addiction, that controls the choice. So he's right. not thinking clearly. He's thinking as an addict. Right. And um, it's not, there's an underlying problem of why he's making those choices. So it's not just abstaining from the bad decision. It's getting deeper inside to figure out why he's choosing that path. So there's a lot of therapy involved. Um, instead of just teaching them how to say, no, I'm not going to do this, giving you the, the strategies and the coping mechanisms to, to kind of set yourself up for success at a party. Um, you've also have to deal with the internal struggle of why are you going to this instead of taking a jog? Um, right. Right. You know, Right. What, 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 why choose that over something else? And when I wrote my book, this one's for you, an inspirational journey through addiction, death and meaning. I was just really driven by trying to figure out why Seth at 15 or 16 and then died at 23. What was the, the choices that my friend Daniel talked about? The little, do I smoke a joint today or do I not? You know, that mm -hmm. one little choice you know, didn't cause him to die from a heroin overdose, but it definitely paved the, the road and gave him more doors he's cracking each day. So for me, um, I, I am a, I'm kind of heading towards the choice um, mindset and not saying addiction isn't a disease. That's, people are mis, misquoting me when they hear me talk. I'm not saying it's not a disease. I'll give, right. I'll, yeah, I'll give you that. You're an addict. Mm -hmm. You want to tell yourself you're cursed. That, 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 that's, that's up to you. But you don't have to have 20 beers. I mean, right. that, that there's something in between your beliefs, your belief structure that you're an addict and why you wake up blacking out. You know, blacking out that night. What, what, what happens in between where you start losing all that ability to say no? And all you got to do is sever one of those decisions. You don't have to win them all. Just just sever one. You can grab the beer out mm -hmm. of the fridge. Just don't open it. Just and so I'm like I'm constantly trying to learn, and I don't have any answers for people. But I can I I, I was speaking one time to a group of people, and I said I said uh, you're all in here for a reason. You're battling alcohol and substance abuse. I'm not going to tell you how to how to get over it, or I'll t tell you what to do. But I'm going to tell you what not to do. You know right. I, you got to stop these destructive behaviors that you're doing. You, you can, you can um, do these other things that you want to do, but, but the problem is if you're already depressed, you're already stuck in your house because of COVID, you're having a tough marriage, having alcohol isn't going to increase your well-being. It's just right. not. So again, I, I really applaud what you're doing, and I'm, I'm excited to just follow the, the success you've had just since I met you looks like on social media, your activity has been, been through the roof. Yeah. So we started, uh, December 16th. Um, oh, wow. and you know, we have 1400 followers, which I know is small potatoes for some people, but for us, that was a lot of growth in a month. 
Um, so, and, and we hope to keep continuing that, but social media has been great for several reasons and, and really caught me off guard because it's a way to get your product out there, your mission out there and people to buy you. But what I'm learning is that people really want to, they want to find a product that they can drink, but they want to share the story as to why they need that product. So I will spend an hour laying in bed at night going through my DMs because people will say, you know, I'm 20 years, I'm 20 days sober and I'm really struggling. I'm really glad I found this. I'm going to order it tonight. And then I'll have other people say I'm 18 years sober and they just really want to talk about their story. And um, that's been a pleasant surprise. I really like that part of this. I have to imagine, uh, like me, you get a lot of people that reach out to you privately that each mm -hmm. time, you know, I almost didn't write my book a number of times, as I assume you probably almost didn't start Nope a number of times. And then I reach out, someone emails me late at night, hey, Jeff, read your book. You know, uh, my brother died of an opioid overdose. You know, I have other family members. And I'm like, you know, it's worth it. You know, as much as I didn't want to do this Definitely. stuff, as, as much as it took a lot of my life of, away from me, what I lost, I gained in perspective and, and awareness and all these things. Um, so I think, you know, for people that are making that decision and they're contemplating uh, ways that they can enjoy a, a, you know, a psychological alcoholic beverage, because <laughs> that's really mm -hmm. for me, that's really for me when I open up uh, any type of these things to me, I just kind of trick my brain that I'm having a beer or I'm having a, a margarita, you know, and I just don't have to have one one, you know, element, one ingredient, and that's the alcohol. Other than that, I'm drinking an alcoholic beverage just without the alcohol. You know, I'm, right. I'm not that smart, so I can trick my brain to believe these things. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I, I think, um, I think in my, in my, in my um, passion is helping people with addiction, opioid overdoses, suicide, those things all for me and for you your ultimate product that you have is a extra or additional arrow in the quiver for people that are battling these things. Um, you know, the numbers of 150,000 people a year died last year of suicide, alcohol abuse, and, and overdose. Mm -hmm. That's insane. And it's going in yeah. one direction. You know, it's, it's not going right. this way. So every one Bart or Jeff Johnston or the next person that, that watches this and says, you know what? Today's the day. I, I I've been fighting this for long enough and I see two people here that have had traumatic events happen in their lives and they're both, you're running with Nope, I'm running with Living Undeterred and we're both taking this tragedy that has happened and we've made something out of it, you know? And um, there's gotta be people watching this today to be inspired by, you know, by what you're doing and that's, that's why I wanted you to get in here. So do you plan on doing a book? Do you plan on doing uh, things that, uh, would allow you maybe not to spend so much time on product development and marketing, but more on your passion of trying to help people battling alcohol and substance abuse? I mean, that is something that I have talked to um, friends who have written books, uh, friends that have heard, you know, the very ugly parts of my story. And it is something that I think eventually I would like to tackle. I have a 30 page book proposal already completed. Um, I just, I think 
I would really like to establish nope first. Right. Um, Right. And then I would I do I would like to do that for several reasons, and I think it could be done in tandem with nope. But you know the stigma of um, you know helping with your mental health and the stigma of drinking I think could really be uh, tackled that and with both of those. But you know it's not something that I'm going to pursue even in the next year because we're so we're such a new company we're a startup so. Um, I think that will come in time. It, and, it, you know, it, you met Bart and yep. the story, he's, the story is about Bart and um, divorce and our marriage. So I also want to be very mindful and considerate of where he stands with that story being, being out there. Well, I, I know you in a short amount of time that you wouldn't be talking about this if Bart didn't give you, uh, give you the okay. Um, and maybe someday I can drag him on the, on the show and and talk to them, but uh, I always like to talk to people that have conquered some of these things, at least you know for the time being, because you never really win the battle of sobriety. Mm -hmm. You just have to win the day, you know. Yes. And and that that's been my mindset. People always ask me, you know, how many days sober are you? And I'm like, I I don't keep score. I just know I'm not drinking right now. You know, mm -hmm. I am choosing not to drink today. Let me ask you a question. Somebody comes in, Beth Ann. Here's ten million dollars. We're gonna we're gonna buy Nope. And you can yeah. you can give money to your main charity that pulls at you. Where, where, where if you had the disposable income, if Nope takes off, where do you think you'd put your resources in uh, in regards to philanthropic desires or charitable interests that you have? And I, I, before you answer that, I know that that the autism thing we haven't spent a lot of time about. I have friends that have autistic children. I know it's a very, it, it, I mean, boy, talk about an intense. Uh, angle in any relationship but um you know is it are those type of things that you've thought about uh if you did have that big check and you had a chance to jump into some charities and what, what have you what have you thought about absolutely i feel i think about that all the time i used to think about it specifically with autism because i used to do a lot of uh, guest speaking at fundraisers for early detection in autism right so i used to say all the time if i was to hit the lottery that's where my money was going right. and now you know we're here with alcoholism one personal story and, and i really don't know i know i want to do something i need to research more and i, I want to be very deliberate in how right. I tackle this, right. but it's something that I think about all the time. And on a personal story, I have two brothers that are addicted to opioids and one uh, came and stayed with me. He kind of dried out and checked into a rehab, uh, checked himself right back out because he's yeah. over, older than 18. Yeah. A lot of issues there, uh, driving around Baltimore, trying to find him in seedy neighborhoods. Long story short, two weeks later, he wanted to give it another try. He comes to my house, detoxes, um, and we bring him to the rehab. The rehab calls and says, we can't, he can't stay here because he's clean and oh. insurance won't cover it. So they kicked him out. Oh, and, and it just, and then he OD'd that night. So that, I don't know how we're going to approach it, but that is something that I think really it needs dealt with. I, I don't know. It just infuriated me. It made me very sad. I just, 
uh, I couldn't believe that this boy was in there trying to do a good thing. He went in there sober and they said, you know, if he would have had something in his system, he could have stayed and had it completely paid for. And he can't afford to have, you know, $17,000 a day in treatment. So he didn't get the treatment that he needed. And just thinking, because I have so many different ways to respond to what you just said. And in my personal situation with Seth, we had a hard time getting him in uh, at the Area Substance Abuse Council. And I'm a board member now of ASAC. And we talk about what you just talked about. Our beds are full. We don't have a lot of room there to bring in people. And when someone just gets out of, you know, they're okay to go on their own, we got to get them out and get the next person in that's in worse shape. So that there, mm-hmm. there's no question that there's a problem right there. And I think having this conversation, hopefully somebody watching this is in the addiction, recovery, rehab, all that, that industry can start putting like-minded people together to figure out solutions where... You know, that doesn't happen to your brother. He, he gets not kicked mm-hmm. out, but pretty much kicked out. And then that night he overdoses. You know, I mean, you know, maybe if that wouldn't have been that night, it would have been the next night. Who knows? But but the fact yeah. is that, that that's the definition of an issue or a problem, that, that we're too smart of a society. We're too passionate. We're too caring. We need to have some type of a, of a way to deal with this, or at least at worst case scenario, talk about it. And maybe right. somebody maybe somebody watching this will reach out to either you or me. And say, hey, Beth Ann, I've been thinking the same thing. You know, my son checked out and that night he died. And this is what I did. This is what, and and that's, I'm hoping that that happens from you and I talking about this. Um, Yeah. It has to happen. And what I, what I find with the rehabilitation centers too, a lot of those employees are people who have gone through this process themselves. It is so um, close to their hearts and they understand it. So I know, you know, what, I'm very clear what I know and what I don't know. So I don't know enough about it. So reaching out, I've established so many relationships now with uh, rehab employees because of my brothers. I just, I would like to include those kinds of workers in the conversation because I'd love to say, if somebody gave you this money, what, what do you right. see the need being? What, what would you do with it? Um, Cause what I would do with it, it may not be what they need, but there's, I definitely think about that all the time, whether it's a, a donation or uh, part of the proceeds from no, you know, 10 cents a can goes here or there. Something, awesome. something will be done. We will definitely go down that avenue. Yeah, I, I, uh, I have no doubt that, that you will come up with something, um, you know, as I have on, on my, my journey as well. Um, and I have, to, I have to be honest with you, being driven by non-financial reasons uh, is, a, is a liberating way to, to run a business. And I know right mm-hmm. now, right now, there's no question, you, you'll accept donations. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you definitely, working capital for any startup is, is, uh, is the lifeblood. However, you're driven by more than just the financial reasons. And if you do a really good job and you have a good product and, and people really fall in love with your story, which I have to imagine they will, I think the good things will happen. The, the money will come eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could give you so many examples of, of businesses that started off on some type of a passion like this. And then someone's right. like, wow, how'd you come up with this? Well, how come someone didn't come up with it? I mean, there's right. been alcoholism addiction around for a long time. You know, why did it take 2020 for this to come to fruition, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I agree. So, um, you know, I guess when you're looking at um, future, 
projects that you're doing. Um, do you have any plans of um, doing maybe presentations with rotary clubs and groups like that where you can, now the initial inclination is, well, she's here trying to sell a, a non-alcoholic product, but I think the if you peel back that layer, you'll see the story behind what you have built. And I, I, I think it's a tremendous story. And I know I, tremendous isn't a good word. It's, it's an inspiring story that you're able to do what you've done, um, you know, out of a lot of people probably just would have turned into alcoholics themselves, Bethann, you know? Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure I'm answering the question, right? So I'm not, not sure what I, I want to do. Question. <laughs> <laughs> not what I want to do with note, but how I want to um, maybe share the story and how you can turn it around and take lemons and make lemonade. Yeah. Is that no? I actually, actually, that... it's take lemons and make rosemary vanilla lemonade. Lemonade, right? You know. Yes, I mean that's that's another part of. Uh, the story and another reason why I would love Bart to get to that point and us even possibly do it together because I think when you are really in it and you haven't yourself or haven't had your loved one go through um, the rehabilitation part and, and recovery part, you can't think that far ahead and I think you compare to, you know, I think people looked at us and thought they have a beautiful home, they have a beautiful family, what could possibly be wrong in that family? And really, it was very dark and violent at times and mm -hmm. scary. So for me, I would like to share that story to take away the stigma and to show them that that doesn't have to be the way, uh, that doesn't have to be your life forever. And right. these are the steps I took. If you, you know, and, and they might not be the steps that somebody else takes, but just to um, show somebody that they're, there is a different ending and that you don't have to be in that hamster wheel. And it's, it is um, kind of an interesting dynamic where you have, you know, your, your emphasis is on the, on the alcohol side, but the mental health, depression, all these things, you know, they're, they're all intertwined, intertwined at the hip, you know, definitely. So if you can help people solve one issue, say alcoholism, then they can work at their depression. Um, I have mm -hmm. a friend of mine uh, that reached out to me lately talking about his, I wouldn't say suicidal ideation, but suicides in his family. And he's very concerned about it. He's a teenager. And mm. he's concerned of why these relatives killed themselves. So he's harboring some guilt. And now he's thinking, well, maybe it's in my DNA. You know, uh, two, two right. relatives have killed themselves and he's, he's 18. And he talked about... Um, his, his uh, issue with always having to save people and his job is to take care of people. And I said, no, your job is to take care of you, dude. Because if you're on an airplane and the oxygen tank comes down or the oxygen mask comes down, the first thing they say is put it on your face first and then help others. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we run around trying to help other people all day long. At the end of the day, we really have to work on our own mental health, our own alcoholism, our own addictions that we have, unhealthy relationships, things that pull our energy away from helping ourselves before we can go be good moms, good dads, good husbands, good wives, you know, good business owners. You've got to take care of yourself first. And I think, I think as a society, we're not reminded that 
frequently enough. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I think I'm not excluding dads, but you you hear that with moms all the time that they don't take care of themselves and then you can't take care of your family. Um, I have a story that used to just like tear me apart was I have five children. I was pregnant with my fifth. My uh, fourth was just a toddler. And you get so excited to hear their first words, mama, dad, dad, please. And he looked at me one day with so much excitement because he was stringing his first set of words together and it was mama sad and mama was always sad because of what we were going through so that was i mean that just ripped me apart and then made me know that if i didn't take care of myself how much um damage and how it was uh molding what my children we're going to grow up to be. So it is, it's so important for you to take care of yourself. And I can see on the mom's side why you think you, you want to take care of everybody else. But if you don't take care of yourself first, you're no good to anyone else. Right. And you're definitely no good to anybody if you're dead um, mm-hmm. or, or if you're drunk all the time. And, uh, you know, I go back and look at, you know, when, when my son died, um, I thought to myself, and I actually wrote up right about this in the book. I have a chapter called Two Roads, where I told the boys, and this was actually the day he died. I sat him down on the couch, and I said, you know, boys, there's two roads we can go down now. We can go down a road of anger, despair, and hatred, and we'll become alcoholics and addicts ourselves. Or we can use this as the greatest single motivating event in our life to make our lives better, but also the people around us. I'm on the second road. You guys can join me. And... Mm-hmm. I did get some advice from my dad, a retired doctor, because he's dealt with death so much. And that's, I didn't rehearse it, but it came off kind of that fluid. And man, from that moment, the boys have been on that road. Roman and Ian have just done some absolutely heroic things at that age. You know, kids dealing with adult problems, you know. And um, we shouldn't have to ask our children to do that. But in my case, having that happened, you know, it just kind of got me into all these discovery modes and learning modes. And so... This whole journey's been um, been awesome, but let me do this. We're we're getting close to an hour, and that's what I promised you. Um, <laughs> what would be some ways people can reach out to you if they want to private uh, contact you? Uh, you don't have to give your cell phone out, but I mean uh, on LinkedIn and stuff. Um, you know, how can people reach you uh, on a personal level? And then what's a good way to just you know learn more about Nope? So on a personal level. Uh... I mean, people have been following us on Instagram. I have my own account. I have the Nope account. And when they direct message us, especially if it's something um, personal and they want to talk about it, I always will send them an email address. Right now, our email address is hello at drinknope.com. But um, that just seems so, uh, it's not warm enough. So I will once I get the message and they say like, I'm struggling with this or that, uh, then I always take it to my personal email and I've had even phone calls with them and given my cell phone number. Um, so that's how I take care of that. I just, I can't be too busy to talk to anybody about, about what they're struggling with or well, what maybe their loved one is struggling with. And then as far as uh, reaching out to Nope through social media, um, 
you know, all, if you go on to our webpage at drinknope.com or if you go on to drinknope at Instagram, there's different ways to connect with us. And we are, I don't like to go a few hours without connecting to somebody right away. Well, I, I can say that in the short amount of time that I've been kind of uh, part of the Nope family, that you have a very uh, unique, uh, I think that's going to make you very successful in what you're doing, is that you have a very unique culture. And when I kind of jumped into the Nope world and watched what you were doing and, and got into your sites and stuff, I just see a very, uh, it's almost like not a business. It's almost like you feel like you're part of a family. And, yeah. and you know, I'm not sure if that was designed in your part or if it's just, that's how you're, that's how you are, that you just embrace everybody like they're part of your family. But I, I really will tell you, you hit a home run with that, Beth Ann. I just think there's something about there. There's something I can't find a word for, it, but there's something about your brand that I can just see it's going to be a home run. And if you can do that with a great product, man, I, I, I want to buy stock in, I want to buy stock in your company. <laughs> I, okay. I say that I say that honestly. I really sincerely uh, say, and I can't. I guess I can't be honest because in the financial planning business, I could get in trouble with Finra if I if I promote a stock on the air. So, um, but no, I, I just think you've hit a home run with this. I think you have a beautiful thing going. I think the way you're vulnerable adds the the, the cement to what you're doing, the glue to keep this together. Keep working on the product, fine tuning it, getting it. You know, I don't want to say tastier because it's already at maximum taste for me. Um, but, uh, you're doing great things. And I think people watching this, uh, you know, are going to really, um, hopefully reach out to you and, 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 you know, take advantage of what you're offering for them, an opportunity for them to deal with some of these things, uh, and enjoy the ride. I mean, it, it's been fun watching you grow this thing. I've been really enjoying it. I'm very honored that you were able to join me today. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy that you asked. I feel honored to get to do this with you. Um, it was so fun to meet you on LinkedIn, and I felt like it was just automatic that we we had to do this. <laughs> yeah. So thank and you I've for this, having us. I've got this corny little thing now. I say, as I say, drink nope or go home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, well, with that, uh, I I thank you again. Uh, I think your honesty, your authenticity, your fact of being humble. I applaud Bart. Um, hopefully that your kids can get active in your business someday. Uh, that would be great. Oh, they already are. <laughs> they, they are. They, um, sometimes I think they think that they are the, the president and founder and I'm just supposed to do what they say, but they, you know, they, I'm looking That's at awesome. my stock right now. They'd like to box things and ship them out. They go to the warehouse with me every week to get new products. They, um, yeah, they're very, very involved. Yeah. So it, it from is the beginning. It is a family, it is a culture, and, and you're doing great. And hopefully I can, uh, you know, I can help out along the way. And just having you here today has been, been an honor. So with that, um, I do want to tell everybody, remind everybody to uh, drink nope or go home. <laughs> However, also, no matter what you're going through, any type of adversity you have, there's always somebody that has it worse than you. That's one thing yeah. that makes me realize that where I'm at, you know, I have two of my three boys still with me. I know a I know a gentleman Steve Grant that lost his only two boys to heroin. So, you know, as tragic as I we lost Seth, I have Ian and Roman. I, I I'm a lucky guy from that standpoint. Steve right. lost his only two. So, you know, I know your life's tough. Things are hard. I'm not telling people to get over it. But having alcohol, drugs, 
lying, all these things are negative habits that will self-destruct and you're not going to increase your well-being. So, Beth Ann, thanks a lot. I'm going to remind everybody to live undeterred and uh, fight through this stuff. There is always a, a brighter day ahead. All my blogs, uh, which post on Wednesdays, are available at livingundeterred.com. And the podcasts are on Fridays. And uh, if people want to follow me and follow Beth Ann on her social media and share us and like us, that like us, that would be awesome. I do get quite a bit of requests about the book. This is my shameless plug. Um, that's my book. That's our son who passed away. That's an actual real rainbow. Uh, um, he had a great sense of humor. Okay. I wish he was here with me, but he is with me, uh, just not physically. And um, yeah. So with that, Beth Ann, take care. Thanks a lot. Uh, and enjoyed our conversation, and I'm sure we'll, our paths will cross again. Good. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. It was nice to be here today.